Hey everybody, happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah from Australia. That's where I am right now. We're like talking on different time zones over here. Yeah, the perks of virtual conversations. You can do it from anywhere in the world. Rivka, how's Australia? How's Australia treating you? It is very, very meaningful to be here. I came to visit my family, um, especially my grandmother. And it's been a very meaningful trip. You haven't been there in a, in a while because of COVID, so I'm sure yes. you're really appreciating it. Yes, very much so. And um, yeah, it's nice to have this feeling of bringing a little bit of light on Hanapath my family. And they've brought me a lot of light back. So I'm very grateful. And it's so special. Yes. Uh, we decided, even though I was traveling to Australia, <laughs> and Edith um, got a lot going on also having her family with her in Bohaba that we wanted to bring you some light too for Hanukkah. And Ida, you came up with this idea to interview a couple who started before they, they were ready to start. We always have an intention before our episodes and we love the idea of starting before you're ready. Tell us why you wanted to interview this amazing, inspiring couple. Well, when we brainstorm on an episode, we both... We want to know what is it that we want to get out of this interview? You know, what do we want um, our listeners to walk away with? What do we want to walk away with? And since it's Hanukkah, you know, and Hanukkah is about miracles and bringing light into the world. Um, and also it's about something called Persume Nisa. It's not just about igniting your inner light, but it's really about spreading it, right? To sp- spreading the love, um, spreading the light of Judaism and the light of, of Hasidus, of Torah, I was watching a clip on YouTube of um, the editor and founder of Fleischig's magazine, uh, Schiffer Klein, and uh, the, the news anchor was saying that they bring a this modern flair to kosher cuisine. And I was thinking, you know, this is so interesting because if you think about kosher food, you know, what comes to mind? I mean, normally, like in the world, it's gefilte fish and matzo ball soup. And I just loved the whole concept of Fleischig's magazine, what they're doing they raised the bar, raised the standard of kosher food, kosher cuisine. And they were actually coined the Bon Appetit of the Jewish world. I just think it's a great magazine and it's really just great recipes. I like it a lot. It just so happens that the editor and founder, Schiffer Klein, is actually related to me. She's my first cousin once removed. It's nice to kind of have um, that connection with her. I thought she would be a great person to interview, partly because she has an incredible story. The story of how she made it of how she became the editor was very unconventional and she had to kind of go through hurdles. She did not have experience or background in the editorial world, nor did her husband. And they kind of embarked on this journey together. And that was why I thought they would be a great couple to have um, on our Hanukkah episode. You know, Rivka, what do yeah, you think? I'll tell you. We both trust each other. And I knew when you said you wanted to interview this couple, I'm like, Either you know them, let's go for it. And thinking right now after the listening to this episode is that Hanukkah is all about miracles. You know, first you have to understand what nature is in order to understand a miracle. And the natural way of human beings is to be held back a little bit and a little bit confined because of fear or because of perfectionism. And the miracle really lies within us. Like when we push past our comfort zone and when we really embrace the present and go to something beyond ourselves, that is a miracle, just like the Hanukkah lights, like the oil. It wasn't spread out into eight little jugs, a little bit of oil that they found. They put it into one, and they really embraced 
that one little bit of oil to hold the candle. And I see that in this couple, like they really pushed past their concerns and they really just went for something, even though they weren't ready necessarily for it and they had their own challenges in their life. And so I feel, I feel like this is, this is a good time to share this concept of starting before you're ready. Yeah, and they are the only kosher publication to be sold in big national, international chains like Barnes & Noble and Whole Foods. And, you know, I've seen their magazine in many parts of the world. So they really have taken a concept and they have spread it, you know, spread their light. They've won numerous awards for their work as well. So really inspiring couple who also share some tips on how to work with your spouse and um, tips on relationships as well. I just loved, you know, I, I think they're, they have great vibes. They're, you know, very authentic I look forward to bringing their story to you. Yeah, enjoy it. And I hope um, it brings you some light and inspires you to bring light into your life and start before you're ready. Enjoy. Happy Hanukkah. Hi, I'm Rista. And I'm Ida. Welcome to the From the Inside Out podcast. We're entrepreneurs and friends who love connecting through meaningful conversations. It all started in an Uber, where we were both so inspired by each other's life experiences. It was then and there that we decided to create this platform because we believe in the power of self-awareness and connection through sharing our experiences. Our goal is to bring you insights, wisdom from the people who inspire us, and interviews with some of our world's greatest thinkers, leaders, and everyday heroes. We invite you to join us as we create positive change in mind, body, and soul from the inside out. Hey, guys. Hey. Hello. This is our first time having a couple on. It's so sweet to see a couple here. How are you both on Hanukkah? We are good. We're very excited to be here. We're excited to have you here. Shifra and Shlomo, you introduced this new way of thinking about kosher food. I wanted to know if you can tell us how it started, where it started, and give us some background and how you got to where you are today. Totally what you said is what drives what we do. We're all about celebrating kosher food and bring people together with food. So we're very passionate about that. And for years, we're both really into food. We both love to cook. Out of our Crown Heights apartment, literally not knowing anything about this business, using other people's apartments to, to do shoots in. We were passionate about food, but also, and we were going on a very typical path. We grew up Chabad. We went through the system. I was a teacher. I had a master's in education. Shlami was working in Sopras by his uncle, Maisha Klein. We had two kids, and we found out that we were going to, that we couldn't have more kids without doing more treatment. So I think it's called like secondary infertility. And so we went down that path. It was very difficult and challenging. I think for anyone who's been through it, they could attest to how emotionally challenging it is, and then also financially challenging. And I really needed a break from everything and just jumped into this as an outlet to just do something a little bit different. You know, I put so much energy into my kids. I guess that was a very big goal. Our kids were older at the time. It was, it was really by the seat of our pants. We didn't know what we were doing. There was nothing like this on the market, and we mm-hmm. felt there was a need for it. And Shifra was just like, let's do it. And I was like, anything she said, I was like, sure. Okay, make sense. She was, she was like, let's do it. <laughs> we printed an insane amount of copies. I'm very convincing when I get oh. like, passionate. <laughs> <laughs> We started, we didn't know about subscriptions. We didn't know anything. We didn't know, we didn't know what we were getting. Had we known, perhaps we wouldn't have done it, which is so okay, interesting. Well, that is yeah, very you interesting. Know what? I'm already inspired. I mean, Edith said to me, yeah, that is interesting because I'm just, you know, this notion of starting before you're ready and, and the risks that are involved in that. 
because it's actually a popular notion these days to start before you're ready. You know, I don't know if you've heard of Marisa Lowe and other motivational experts, and they often say this. And I guess you can relate to it because you just kind of, Shifra, you decided you're doing it and your husband's like, okay, we're doing it. Um, what do you think the balance is between starting before we're ready, but not to the point where the risk is too great and we're setting ourselves up for failure? If you're, it could be more like, what's your definition of failure for yourself? Where I feel like oh, okay. one of the things of jumping into something or doing something comes with uh, a lot of stumbling upon on the way. Like our first issue, for example, this is really embarrassing. We didn't have an editor. So there were grammar mistakes and there were just inconsistencies in the recipes. And looking back, if I would publish something like that now, I would want to crawl under a rock because it's so, it's like such an embarrassing thing to do. But at the time, it was a mistake, and I was just like, okay, now I know, because people had given me feedback, and I was like, okay, we're going to hire an editor, and I moved on. I think that, obviously, you're never going to be 100% ready, no, ever. A certain amount of yeah. something into it is needed, but and at the same time, you're definitely grounded and, and, and know the risk. Yeah. yeah. Right. There's always kind of a risk-benefit ratio that you're dealing with. With any decision that you make, there's going to be some level of risk. I think a lot of people are held back from starting something because they don't feel ready, they don't feel prepared, they don't feel like they're skilled enough, that they're expert enough. And Shifra, when you mentioned that there were grammatical errors and things like that in the first issue or first few issues, that reminds me of this podcast that I used to listen to where she said that she wanted to delete the first few episodes that she put out because they were, it, they were so bad. But then she realized that it defeats the purpose because she's someone who's trying to inspire others. She wants them to see what things were like when she started. And now she's very well known. And so I think the bottom line is there's no other way really other than learning as you go. I think even people who have the most experience and the best training will always make those initial mistakes. You have to be ready for it. You have to be ready for it. I think that's the biggest thing is just like mentally to be ready to make mistakes and forgive yourself. Yeah. You mentioned that challenges and you really just uh, pushed, pushed through it, I don't know, or pushed past it and, and decided to do something positive and uh, create some really great energy in your work. Um, and I feel like sometimes challenges can really hold us back. And this is very inspiring to hear that you took your challenge and you decided to do something else with your life in the mean, I don't know if it's in the interim or just really bring something, some positive energy to you, to you and your husband and your family. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, for us, it was in the interim. And actually, the end of the story is very ironic. We have new challenges. Yes, because <laughs> what happened was we were doing the magazine for many years and we got very into it. Our kids were older and we were at a family get together case up time. We were at my sister in California and the whole family was there. It was amazing. And we were watching everyone with all their big families getting in the car, out of the car with all their kids. And we were with our two older sons and they were just so easy and everything was so we very, fun. We were very compact yeah. and flexible. And and so during Pesach, <laughs> I would say the entire Pesach, every single night, we were both like, wow, life is you good. know, life is good. We're, we, we, we don't have babies now. We're having so much fun and kids are amazing. We were enjoying our kids as well. And we came to that point of just like really accepting, more than accepting, what would you say? We were excited about, yeah, we were like, life is good. And then literally three weeks later, three weeks later, four weeks later, we found out that we were expecting. We hadn't, we hadn't done any treatment. So out of the blue. It was so out of the blue, but it was also, I think, coinciding with our talking about how much like life was so fun. 
in a way. I, I mean, I laughed at that, that God decided, oh, I'll have the last laugh, not you, you know? Here you go. Yes. This was our biggest challenge to date. We had to recalibrate our whole business model and our relationship because now we have we had a baby in, in the mix, which is such a big change for us. It was a, it was a big it was an amazing. Well, before blessing. we were just parents of older kids. Now, yeah. now, now I feel like we're like grandparents and parents. Well. Yeah. <laughs> that's so cute. <laughs> so we have another baby, so we now have four kids, which is really beautiful. Wow. What what role did faith play in? I don't want to say in your journey, but just maybe in your life or your career, you know, you said that once you became okay, which essentially means accepting things as they are, let, I let you do your thing. And then suddenly God does his thing. You know, I just, um, I'd love to know like what role faith or Hashem plays. To us, it felt like, you know, that acceptance kind of opened up doors. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, And I think, you know, we, right. grew, we grew up with examples like that, you know, witnessing, you know, people that we look up to going through hardships in life and seeing that they just go forward no matter what, and they don't give up. So we have those examples to see. And I think that also helps where you can look towards grandparents, parents who have gone through struggles and see how they've handled it and use it as inspiration for how you're going to handle it. And um, it's really just amazing to look to that because that can help guide you. You know, there's always lessons from people who came before you. So true. You talk about faith, and I can't help but expand on that a little bit since it's Hanukkah, and that represents light and miracles. And I'm just wondering, as we speak, if you feel connected to the concept of miracles, light, and what it means to you, to you and if you relate or have experienced them in a real way or in, in, a, in some way in your life. But I think that just, you know, if you look, if we look back at these past 12 years, and you look at the, the, the way different either opportunities came or how mm-hmm. how our lives kind of went with you know with what came. There definitely was a lot of the hashtag process. There was a lot of a lot of things that happened along the way because of the way we handled ourselves and because of the, of the way we handled the business. Right. I think like miracles are not always so obvious. Like you don't see something as a miracle straight up in your face. Like some of your stories growing up where the miracle is so obvious and it's expected. Yeah. And I think you don't always notice it. You know, in a, I don't know. In a looking, clear way. Truth, looking back at I the, think, that, at the first month we started mm-hmm. coming home with ten, coming to a garage we rented with ten thousand magazines. <laughs> it's pretty miraculous. <laughs> yeah. So tell us more about that. Tell us more about what happened. You ordered yeah. ten thousand magazines. Not, the more I think about, we don't think about talk about it much. But when I go back to that, we we took a stand at the Kinnisar Shluchim for the the resource fair. Right. And we came there selling a single magazine. People were like, we want to subscribe. I'm like, subscribe? What's that? We literally did not have a website. <laughs> wow. It's laughable when you think about like how we went yeah. about certain things. And yeah, it's miraculous. <laughs> so you started with a 10,000 yeah, 10, magazines absolutely. order, did not know what subscriptions were. And now, actually in Montreal, I spent summers there and I um, I went to this. It's not a Jewish magazine store. Lo and behold, there's a Fleischig's magazine. Like a culmination of all our years in the magazine business. Before we started Playshift, we were publishing for how many years? Um, About seven, eight years. Eight years. Yeah. And then we started Playshift. So I guess Playshift is the result of eight years, I would say, of, well, it's not trial and error. Would you it, say it, that? It, it is trial and error. We, we learned from certain mistakes. And yeah, Playshift is well, like. we're still learning. Yeah, it's almost like we went to a real life university for how to publish a magazine in real life for seven years. And then we took everything we learned and put it into Felicia. So it's actually interesting to see the different responses once we really got our footing and learned everything we learned. 
Well, every mistake is a learning opportunity. And even if you have it all together, and even if you are skilled and you're ready, you can have all your ducks in a row and it just doesn't work out. And you can have, you know, no, no background or knowledge and it could be a huge success. So it's also something to keep in mind. Got me thinking not just about failure, but on the opposite spectrum. Success is very interesting because once you reach success, once you reach success at certain levels, what happens is you don't always feel successful. We have different. Uh, There's like the opposite Yeah. What happens is like for me, my biggest struggle is to feel successful. Even when I do achieve things that on the outside might look successful, I'm like, okay, on to the next. I want to do the next thing. So I get excited when, when Shipper was last week on, on five different TV segments. And for me, that was like, oh, wow. Right. So her, it was just like, okay. <laughs> so you have yeah. high standards. By the way, Shipper, I, I can relate to you. So how do we get through this? And I see this with my peers and people that I work with, so you were saying yeah. you feel that also you've accomplished things and your business grows and things that you're doing are growing, but you have this vision of like what success is. And until you reach that, and then even after you reach that, you're still feeling like there's so much more to do. What is your vision of know. success? I know, I know that between us, we do have certain numbers that we want to hit at yeah. certain points. Yeah, I would love to but have But we're, like, we're very well on the way for that. But yeah, I would love to have like a lot, like have, what would be my number of I mean, getting get into Barnes & Noble and Whole Foods was a big deal. There, yeah. was, there were definitely certain milestones along the way that were, you know, they were monumental. They right. Were they were really big. And um, and even meeting our goals. But, like, that's not... Right. What would you say your personal... I don't know. I think, I think it's a certain number of subscribers, for sure. Like We put a lot of um, our focus on subscriptions, and we really value our subscribers. Like, we even just launched our app. We spend a lot of time and money just launching that, which is 100. I saw that it's great because we feel that that is our dedicated following. That's amazing. Next time we interview you, you're going to be telling us about that miracle. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. So I feel like there's no conflict. You know, you can have you can have a goal and and have high standards, and at the same time feel like you're successful. It's nice to have goals. It kind of keeps us forward moving, right? But at the same time, as long as we're kind of content in where we are, and I guess we talked a little about the definition of success, but I guess it's in the process, always feeling creatively engaged, feeling like you're you're making progress, working on yourself, whether it's through your career or through, you know, in your personal life. Yeah, I know, because we had discussed with Rista um, in our last episode, Rista Goldstein, about, you know, feeling like you are, um, fulfilling your, your, your in your mission, like you feel connected mm-hmm. to your mission and your purpose. And so I guess I'm just, you know, thinking as we're talking about like always feeling like you need to take the next step or go to the next level mm-hmm. in that at the same time feeling like, you know, I feel fulfilled and I feel like I am, I'm connected to my mission and that this is what my mission is and that I'm also, and, and that I'm not only just like contributing and growing my business, but I'm giving to the world. Because we are two different people, Shifra's goals and Shifra's um, um, not getting too excited by meeting certain goals is very different from me. We have we have a very different um, opinion on that, and we both get excited about different things. From right, for sure. I don't think everyone, I mean, I guess because we work together, we have that. Uh, yeah, no, we're, we're very different in that way. But definitely, I think enjoying every step of the process is the ideal definition of success, enjoying what you're doing. I guess sometimes you just have to remind yourself that. 
you know, you're working with your spouse together. What's that like? Like, could you tell us a little bit about how does, how is that complimentary? Like what challenges do you face? I mean, you know, sometimes you have couples who work in, um, in the same business, um, and they work on the same thing. I think that would make it really difficult. Yeah. In our case, and this is, I think, one of the reasons it works for us, we each handle like different parts of the business. Schiffer pretty much handles anything connected to editorial. Yeah. And I pretty much handle anything connected to, you know, the business side. I don't call it defined roles. We have defined roles. We have defined roles. But we (laughs) don't micromanage each other at all. Like zero. No, okay. You really don't. (laughs) But no, but we do. And then we're also able to come back and like sound off each other. You know, she'll come to me with different editorial stuff, you know, to hear my opinion or whatever it is. Um, I'll come to her with certain advertising questions and how we can tie it into the magazine or subscription or marketing uh, stuff. Right. So I think the fact that we both have such separate um, right. jobs in the same business really does help that. Yeah, that makes a huge difference. And that's how we're able to stay married and work together. Because otherwise, we wouldn't be able to, obviously. Right. Really but I'm curious, because you said you're so different. Like, I guess you, your definition of is different. I'm wondering what is different, and how do you? You probably balance keep each other grounded, or I don't, I'm wondering what is so different about you. Well, I think I think um, our passion for our passion for food and cooking that that's the same. Yeah, and our passion <laughs> for the for the business is the same. Yes. Yeah. What, but what you know, you're you're more creative, and that's why all the editorial stuff comes naturally mm-hmm. to you better. And I I enjoy the social side. I enjoy the interacting yeah. with people on the business side. It is right. You know, we we each have our strong points. And I think we're aware of it. Like Shifra is the one who started this. That's, that, that actually speaks volumes. That's Shifra. Like she'll have an idea, right. she'll go for it, and she's not so concerned about, you know, the consequences. Or, or she's concerned, but like in a healthy way. Yeah. And me, I'm much more like, if, if this whole thing came up to, to, to me, I would be much more calculated. We probably wouldn't have started. You, when he says we're very different, you said you're always looking for the next goal. Like, and Shlomi seems like, I don't know, you tell me, like you feel more satisfied with each step that goes along the way. It comes more naturally to you. Yeah. I, I get comfortable where I am, so definitely. But at the same time, I, I'm not going to fight it because it's even in our industry, in every industry, you've got to be ahead of the game. You know, Shifra has actually established certain things in the, in the, on the design side and on the editorial side, which like you've constantly be, you've got, you've got to be changing it up. You've got to be, um, we, we really want to be, you know, the people, we should recall that influencing the influencers. Like we really want to be the ones setting the trend. That's great. Or um, staying ahead of the game. So you do have to, con- you know, constantly be right. um, evolving and changing. Yeah. So she, um, so she rubbed off on you. Oh, no, she definitely yeah, rubbed off on you. We both rubbed off on each other in really good ways. Like okay, I'm okay. more adventurous. I jump into things and she wasn't like that. But now I think. After I had my two babies now, my little ones, he's more adventurous and will jump into something faster than I will. Um, but what's also very interesting is when we did this, we discovered so many new things about ourselves. Like, I never knew I was creative until I started the magazine. I was more academic. I was a teacher. I For a time, I taught history and history for high school. And then I went and now did this type of project. It's so different than what I thought I can do. Yeah. There's so many lessons in what you both just shared. First is that you you won't know until you try if it's something that you yeah. are good at or want to do because you know like you said you thought you were more I mean you are you were an academic and you didn't see yourself maybe initially in this space and then obviously once you entered the space you know you you realize that it's a great space for you and for your creative expression. You mentioned that you talked about second guessing yourself and I feel like that's par and parcel a lot of you know people starting business especially in the creative space. Second guessing is good I think because if you're 
you're too overconfident in what you put out without kind of just saying, mm, should I, should I not seeking counsel, going back and forth. Um, if you're too confident, maybe it's not that great. Without realizing that you just touched on something that we were actually very much, um, we used, you said seeking counsel. Yeah. And because of where we were coming from in a different way that the business evolved or changed, <clears throat> we found that in, in, in the Jewish community, in the firm community, there's usually people who will help you. They'll give you time. They'll guide you. Um, when we were working on this whole acquisition, we went to three different people in the Crown Heights community, in the, yeah. in the Chabad community. Um, one was like a business person. One was actually a different type of like a corporate person. And one was a Rav who was involved, who, who was, um, you know, well-versed in these different uh, like contracts, things that we're dealing with. Contracts, things like that. And, and I, find, I find that that's, that's an asset. That's something that we have, again, in the Jewish community. Yeah. And people don't always tap into it. Um, I'm sure if someone if someone was starting, you know, some kind of glasses company and they heard of this guy, David Schattenstein, and they were, you know, give him, give him a call, eventually he would maybe, you know, you never know, he would actually see them. And he could call, you know, he'd give them the advice that they would need to actually get that business off, you know, up and, up and running. Right. Or put things in perspective, you know. We've definitely um, sought counsel along the way. Exactly. Yeah. That was very helpful to us. That's so important. We need people. No, it's really good to know your strengths, but when you don't, you don't have to. So if you were counseling yeah. your younger self pre-magazine or starting the magazine, right, you're not feeling so ready. If you were your own mentor, right, going back, what would you say to Shifra starting the magazine? Number one, um, I think a lot of things that people stumble on is that causes them to stumble maybe is looking at what others are accomplishing, what others are doing. Um, I think that you, as I did, as I got to know more people, also I got to see behind the scenes what people were doing to get to certain places or points or accomplishments that I might not have been aware of from just looking at things on a surface level. Don't let yourself get caught up watching someone else and comparing and saying, how come they got this recognition? You know, um, in our situation, for the first for the first two years, I, ke- I kept up um, our, my, my full-time job while, while yeah. we started. And it kind of evolved into, you know, a something that we could actually depend on. Um, you know, you hear these people, like some people come with their entrepreneurial spirit, you know, and they can, they, they jump into it. It doesn't necessarily work for everyone. I think that um, some risk is good. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it makes sense to just drop everything. And, 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 and that's where mentorship comes in. Sometimes asking someone that you respect, you know, does this, do you, you know me, do you feel like this makes sense for someone like me? Should I do this? I'm sure that, yeah. you know, Shlomo, if, if Shifra had come to you, in some way, spouses, you know, can mentor each other. Because you know each other so well. I know from my own experience, like if David, my husband says, go for it, I'm going for it. You know, if he says, I right. don't think so, he's right. just great like that. He knows me well. So, you know, if you don't, if, when in doubt, ask right. someone that well, you care about. Yeah. Yeah, it makes a big difference. Well, it's, it's a gift to be able to have your husband as a, as a mentor. And just listening to the two of you, I was, I was actually going to ask you, can you give us a few little strategies and tips for, um, business and then I'm thinking actually can you also please give us a few little strategies and tips for marriage because <laughs> sitting in front of a couple who you uh, you do say and we do see that you are different yet you work well together and you bring out the best in each other so maybe you can give us a few little strategies and tips for business and for and for marriage aside from defined <laughs> roles I, mean, I think like tip number one that we, we use in our business life that's great in marriage trusting your spouse to do what they're supposed to do um, you know, not micromanaging, I guess. I think that can take place in a relationship, not just in a business. When your spouse is doing something, let's say, uh, you know, let's say they're washing the dishes or doing laundry or watching the kids 
or anything else, give everyone their space and let them be. I think that's a good one. And that's then one. I think trying, obviously in, in our case, right. separate separating the home and marriage from business, from work. Right. It's extremely important. In our case, um, there are times that, you know, you, you do, you do want to have those defined times when, when, you know, there's personal time and, you know, time for us and not for the business. But, you know, be, being in a, in a food business, pretty much, um, it's always, it's all intertwined. It always, comes back, it always yeah. comes back to it. I'm taking lessons from our business and translating it to marriage. So, yeah. you know, like keeping things separate and also, you know, how in our business, we each sort of let our strengths shine. So I think in marriage, embracing the other person's full personality, their strengths and their weaknesses, and just accepting it, like this is who they are, this is what they're good at, this is what they're not, makes a very big difference. Because I think sometimes you can get hung up on like, what might be a weakness. Um, so I think focusing on the positives and just, you know, in, accepting what is in the relationship can really make a difference. Yeah, and, I, and sometimes what we might think is a weakness is really what is a strength and bringing out the best in us. Yeah. It's not necessarily a weakness. It's just something that's not us and we don't necessarily relate to. And it might really be a strength and help you bring out your strength. Yeah. You know what that reminds me of? We did an episode um, with the authors of a book called Not a Partnership. And what they said, they made the distinction, and I love the distinction between a work relationship and a spousal relationship. And the difference is that in a work relationship, there are defined roles, like you said, Shifra, right? You each know what you're good at, and you kind of focus on those strengths. In a marriage, although I feel like there is benefit to having defined roles, but at the same time, marriage, what he said, is that it's about each person being completely given over to the other without ulterior motive. So that's where it's important to be able to not bring work home with you. It's def- It's certainly something that's a challenge that could be an incredible opportunity for a husband and wife who work together. These are some good tips, I think, that you can take with you. I like that. I take the. the I take my daughter to school in the morning. She picks them up. Like we literally have. We do find we have to be very right. scheduled, and and we each know exactly. Yeah, we, get, we communicate a lot about what our plan is for the week, so we're all on the same page, and we all we're like very um, secure. It helps, you know. It helps keep everybody comfortable and happy. You yeah, know, we, we find balance, really balance, yeah, balancing yeah. Such, a, such a busy life, both in our personal life and mm-hmm. our business life. That schedule, yeah. that schedule in the beginning of the week is really important. Yeah, we sit scheduling down. Scheduling time for yeah. work, scheduling time for, for, for us and scheduling our own time. Yeah. We literally sit down. We're like, Monday, this is what's happening Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And we like plan it all. We plan time for ourselves. What are we going to do? And that also helps keep things really smooth in our marriage because we're both on the back and what we want. So I think that's also a big one, like communication and saying what you and want. And that's actually yeah. much more challenging now that we have a two little kids. Right. So that's why we have to do it like so, you know, more stringently than yeah. we used to. You said you you plan the, in the beginning of the week. Could you share like how do you do that? What's the strategy? Like, is it a journal? Like, is it a calendar? We basically okay. We, we actually it's a very rough layout. I mean, we have our we have our Google Calendar. We can both take a look and see what's going on. We're like nineties kids, so we take out our pen and paper. So Me too. <laughs> that works best for us. But yes. yes. We'll, we'll literally there's nothing like pen and paper. Yes, there's, there's nothing, nothing like it. No, and we also, if you're coming into our kitchen, it's, it's hanging on the fridge. Yeah, it's on our fridge. We take <laughs> a picture of it and put it in our in our work WhatsApp chat, but it's on the fridge. <laughs> yes. But we literally put it, we just put it the whole weekend, uh, you know, on paper, and we just, for each day, we know around what's going on, if there's any appointments, if there's any meetings or whatever it is, uh, a to-do list at the end, and then we kind of fill in the blanks, you know, with, it doesn't have to be so so detailed. When it comes yeah, we don't to do it hour by hour. We know what's happening every day, and it's all planned out. 
Um, if I'm gone for the day or Shlemy's gone for the day, it's like, we know Tuesday I'm going to have to do X, Y, and Z. And it's just very clear. So I just want to ask you with all these, all these tips are fantastic. And mm-hmm. just um, the energy of the best in each other. Did, was this always smooth or did it, do you feel like, did this take you a long time to get to this place? Um, or did it just kind of flow from the beginning? I certain things flow. Yeah. Certain things flow. Yeah. I'm not the editor. Yeah. <laughs> certain things flow. <laughs> but um, there were certain challenges that came up as, I, as our life kind of changed. Yeah. I think once we had kids, we had to figure it out more. Like that was a big change for us. I had to embrace because we had a baby 10 months ago. Wow. We had to figure out. It was something new for us. Our biggest challenge. Yeah. Yeah. It is. That's I mean, the magazine came out of us being, of having that. And the kids, the kids are an amazing, talking about a miracle. They're a miracle, each one of them. And they're amazing bracha. There you go. And now they're really amazing. But, um, Can you tell us uh, a bit about, are you, are you open to sharing? No, I mean, it's a miracle that we had, we had kids without any treatment. And then. We have a 10 year gap between our, our, our yeah. son and our daughter. Right. So that's like, the doctor had said, like, you might be able to have kids. And it happened one in, like, we didn't really do anything. So that in itself was a miracle. But you talk about, like, different fl- um, challenges and flowing. Like, I'm just remembering now, um, our son was born in January of this year. Mm-hmm. And we had to run to the hospital. And who, who babysat him? Not who babysat him. Who, 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 sorry, sorry, sorry. Who took Liba to school? Right. It was our photographer. We were in the middle of a photo shoot. Our photo shoot lasted two years. <laughs> our photographer stayed the night. And he literally stayed with her. And help to get <laughs> while well, we went to the hospital to have a baby. Yeah, because I like I just I was working until like the last minute, but I was I think I was like in the beginning of the ninth month. So I was like, oh, I for sure have three more weeks to go, but that's not what happened. Um, I mean, till today we laugh about it. Liba knows when she comes home, we have a photo shoot. She like, gets really excited when Schneider's over. We we're very yeah, lucky with Schneider. She's part of the family. And <laughs> if you, I don't know if you if you follow all of our stories because sometimes it gets much. But like literally, the last photo shoot, Shipper, um, sorry, Liba was was she like she likes to take pictures, and then she even made some kind of plate. And Shipper, this is where Shipper comes in. She's like, yeah, yeah, come, Liba, come. You're also going to take a picture, and she let her be a part of it. Like this little four year old felt like she was twenty four years old. Right. But she let her literally style her own plate and take and take a picture of it. Yeah. Are your kids involved in the process and are they are they foodies? Yeah, different kids have different responses. Our oldest son is obsessed. He's adventurous. Yeah. Our second can... son is more of a baker. He loves to bake. Yeah, but yeah, and he's yeah, yeah, he likes to bake. When he's he not was, when, we, when we started he wasn't into anything. Right. He was really pizza, cereal, you know, white bread. And now he already eats a lot more sophisticated, interesting things. Yeah, and our daughter, she's five, so she's also, she just, when we're doing the shoot, she also wants to play, and she was, like, moving things around, so I give her a moment to, like, shine and do her thing. Um, yeah, so that's where, I think that was our biggest challenge, incorporating our new batch of kids <laughs> into our lifestyle. <laughs> new batch, um, no pun intended, I love that. The home, they're involved, <laughs> I see my kids all the time. I'm not, you know, I don't, I didn't start this, I started a job that was very time, you know, it has, it takes up a lot of time. But I'm lucky. We're lucky in a way because it is hard to work from home. But we're lucky in a way to work from home because I have my kids around me, and I'm not like going out all day. So we try to be present and whatever. So all that—that that was our biggest challenge for sure. Wow. If we have to choose one, we're in the process of overcoming it because our baby's ten months old. So. Well, I mean, start before you're ready is, I feel like it's the theme of the conversation. And I don't know a single parent who says they were fully ready once their baby was born. We're just when kind of learning on the job. Each kid's different. Totally. Totally. 
Do they have a favorite recipe or do you actually, do you have a favorite, like, is there a favorite food or recipe, maybe one that you developed? Your favorite child? (laughs) (laughs) It comes and goes. We go through stages of things that we're like so into and we make over and over again. Um, You know, there are certainly things that we've made that are exciting. Um, What would you say? A lot of times the recipes, okay, I mean, it really depends. Some recipes are coming from, you know, you're, you're working on an article, so you're creating stuff. So you, but a lot of the recipes actually come from our day-to-day and our our lives. Our, mm-hmm. What's our favorite? Our favorite. Very hard to say. Um, our go-to, like our go-to dinner, would be like we we, we tend yes. to like veer towards we do steak night a lot, and we have like different variations on it because surprisingly, okay, it's indulgent, but it's also very easy and quick. Um, so it's very easy for us, like once we go to bed. It's to make, also like, because Shifra really likes chicken and potatoes. I'm very, I'm very Russian that way. Yeah. Oh, yes. I'm very Russian that way. Uh, me I too. We went, we- I like, I always find with um, going out to dinner, a, a steak is a great thing to order because it's very hard to get the steak right at home. Can you tell us how to do that? <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you very quickly. I'll, I hope to do it. Okay. Okay. So ideal steak size is crucial. It should be about a one to one and a half inches. Because you don't want to have to stick it in the oven and worry about that. You want a steak that's going to be able to pan sear very quick. So you want to take your steak out 30 minutes before you want to you want to fry it because it brings the steak to room temp and then it cooks evenly. That's step number one. Step number two. Step number two is you want to get your camera out and make sure you get it get it all on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> that's where slimy comes in. I'm very old fashioned. Like I can not look. I can like not look at social media for hours. And he's more passionate about it, which yeah. is it's important for our business. Very important. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then, okay, so step one, take your meat out. Your meat should be one to one and a half inches. It should be out at room temp. Pat your steak dry so that there's no excess moisture on it. Then sprinkle with salt and pepper. That's what I prefer if you have a spice rub, but make sure it doesn't have sugar because that's going to burn. Um, and then you get a frying pan or a cast iron and you heat it on high heat for about two to three minutes. Your pan is actually hot. And then you drizzle about a tablespoon or two of oil once the pan is hot. So the oil doesn't burn. It goes in right away. It gets hot. And then you put your steak in. It should take about four to five minutes. You flip it another four to five minutes. And then you let it rest for about 10 to 15. And it doesn't really matter what cut of meat it is. It could be a chuck steak. It could be a rib steak. It could be a London broil. If it's the right size, temp, and you follow these instructions, your steak will be perfection. Thank you. That's this is great. Okay, I think I'm gonna what make a, steak for dinner tonight. Yeah, but what about as the health coach here I am? What about um, broiling the steak? Is that not a good idea? It's a very good idea if you it's have a, no. The, the issue with the broiler, no, it's not challenging at all if you have a good broiler. So we've mm-hmm. noticed that our our oven, our broiler isn't strong. So if I put something under it, it doesn't get that like brown crust that you want. the The new trend right now is to really make vegetables the star of the plate so where you have a roasted chicken but which you spend five minutes on but then you spend 20 minutes making the best brussels sprouts or the best delicata squash you've ever had in your life so that's where i think a lot of food is heading there's even a huge restaurant in the city um 11 madison park that went vegan and that's the direction that food is going in so we're we're along for the ride um we have an issue coming out in a few weeks time and one of the recipes there that I was like, literally, I'm, I'm, I'm not one to go crazy about healthy stuff, but like we did a sous vide cabbage. Yeah, it was like a, a play on a Caesar salad. But that sous vide cabbage, 
I ate, it was a, it was like a quarter of a cabbage. Yeah. I ate it in one shot and I was like blown away by it. It's fascinating to see when you get creative with vegetables, you actually could, you can make some really crazy stuff. When it's, when it's a good we, recipe. We won't tell good. you, we won't tell you the real thing. <laughs> has become so accepted and common yeah. in people's homes. Yeah. And yes. there are definitely a lot of health benefits. Yeah. Besides convenience. Yeah. So you do sound like you have a really good balance. And I will try the pan-seared um, steak. I like to grill things a lot and broil things, but I also do try. Like, that's the balance. That's really great. Love hearing that. Is there a favorite memory or moment that inspired you or that you want to share? This was really, really interesting. Um, when we started the Tambone, three months into it, we got an email from Min. Two months? Three, four months into yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It was- we got an uh, email from Min. It was Media Industry Network. Um, I don't know if they're they're around now or but they were like this um, this network of for, for magazines. We were nominated as like one of the hottest launches of 2010. 2011. 2011. Wow. We were, we were nominated as the hottest launch of 2011, and we were invited to a dinner, a breakfast in the Hyatt on 42nd. And we, we like had no clue what to expect. Yeah, we we, we like, rock up there, and like there were people that. The, the other people getting awards were from Fox News and from, from Time, Time Magazine, magazine, and, People magazine. And, and People Magazine. And People Magazine. And we were just like two young schmucks. We were literally, we came there, obviously we couldn't eat anything. And we were like, what is going on here? So we were like, so out of our depth. The experience was validating in terms of being recognized somewhere outside of our, you know, our, our world. Yeah, that was a fun memory. There was something also about you being the kosher Bon Appetit or the Jewish Bon Appetit. But honestly, if I had a Bon Appetit and a Fleischig's, I would pick up the Fleischig's much faster. And not just because I'm kosher, because you can adapt the non-kosher recipes from Bon Appetit. I, I genuinely enjoy it. So, well, congratulations for that. Uh, it was Thank It's well-deserved, I can say. And what you said about it being validating is, is a big thing. It's when we don't know how our work is being received. Now that you're very established and, and successful, and you mentioned earlier that you would, when you started out, you asked people for advice. Is that something you still do or do you just take advice from each other? Like once you're successful, do you always feel the need to ask for that? Or, or I think that it, it, if we're, if we're going to make a move or if we're going to do something that's outside of our comfort zone, we're definitely going to ask people. Um, but what helps us now in general make decisions is that when we started the brand, we have very clear principles that guide us, right? Like we have our brand principles. And I think in general, like in life, when you have your standards, whether it's, you know, your, your religious standards or your, your personal boundaries or whatever it is, and that helps guide you the whole time. Um, so that's what we really help us now. It's but, like our, we have we, our principles. Like we, we, know, also, we do have people that we turn to if we have questions. Yeah. Also, I mean, I think, I think our, our network of people has, has kind of changed and, and grown because of, because of the work we've done and the people we've dealt with in the past. Yeah. Um, but we're definitely not afraid to ask. We, like, we would we would use that out. Yeah. Sometimes we even ask um, inst- our Instagram, you know, um, people who follow us on Instagram for their input. Get their and their, yeah. Like, if I have a question about what people want to see, what people want to hear, um, different topics, like, would you, you know, like, I'll go to the people of Instagram because it's a great place to just get instant feedback and guidance. That's great. So you're strong uh, in your values, but you're open to feedback. Definitely open to feedback. Um, I very rarely will get personal, personally offended. We've gotten all sorts of feedback, as you can imagine. Um, no, honestly, I mean, tone. we've actually, we've gotten the, the, almost the, the, the best, not feedback, but the best 
the sign on the bus. I always say, when people get passionate, even if it's a negative someone will, passion. Uh, someone will take the time to write you a two-page letter why yeah. you didn't like something. I'm, I'm flattered. I'm like, you care enough. We're making such an impact that we have this type of response. I feel like that's a sign that you're making an impact. You like, can make everyone happy. That guides us all the time. Like, we are not here to, to, to be a magazine. I would love everyone to read, but at the same time, I'm not looking to make everybody happy. So if, if the magazine doesn't speak to you or we feature somebody who you don't think should be in the magazine, that's okay. Like, it, it might not be for you to enjoy. And I'm okay well, with that's that. One, I mean, we are... We're not we're not here to take a stand, and we are very not at all here to take a stand. That's a big principle of Flacious Magazine. Like we really stand by that. Yeah, and and there's al- and there's almost always going to be trolls. Someone who actually sent you another message or an email, but you told me about it. Yeah, someone spent the time. She was like, thank you so much for not you know getting nasty. It's yeah. very hard. It's very hard when you're in the moment and you're reading these trolls who are writing nasty things it's just something that comes with a territory when you're a public figure and you're putting out things and it's just it's important to know you might have to deal with this but remember what you like what you love what you said you know if they're taking the time it means that they care on some level even if it's negative yeah yeah um okay so Um, so you yeah so i'm in australia the main reason i to visit my grandma's right here it's the morning hold on a second by the way, Rivka, I can totally relate to what you're going through because um, whenever I talk to family in South Morning, Africa, it's the way it is. And these, this is the couple interviewing right here. They have a, an amazing mind. Mike, if you want to know a good cook, my grandmother is the oh, most wow. amazing cook. <laughs> Thank you, darling. <laughs> so hi from my grandmother in Australia. Oh, hello. Hi. Thank you. It's so great to meet you. Good morning. Good morning in Australia. What what what's your grandmother's like famous recipe? What is she, what do you like remember she made you growing up? Well, but asking what your famous recipe is, what would you say? She's got some many famous recipes. <laughs> I can't begin to tell you. What would you say is your famous favorite recipe? My favorite. Yes, I have a few. Yes, she has a few. <laughs> Maybe we'll share it in the podcast notes a little. Her cheese, she's got a most, she makes the most delicious cheese blintzes, cheesecake. Mm. She makes the good, she makes amazing veal chops with sauteed peppers and onions. Oh, yum. Delicious. And lamb chops too, because lamb is big in Australia. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, Booba, I'll be back in two minutes. Almost oh, yeah. done. Oh, gosh. Thank <laughs> you. Such a pleasure to meet you, Bubby. <laughs> The saying pleasure to meet you. What? They're saying a pleasure to meet you. <laughs> it's a pleasure for me too. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you on my podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much. And where can we where can we find you guys? Fleishix.com is our website. Um, that's where you can subscribe. And then we're on Instagram at Fleishix Mag and Facebook as well. So Fleishix.com, that's where you can subscribe. And all subscribers get access to our app. What's your app? Yeah, so the app the app is in the app store and it's free to all magazine subscribers. But it's only exclusive to magazine subscribers. So it's like a free addition to the magazine. That's amazing. That's great. If you visit playshakes.com slash subscribe, you can subscribe. And if you use the code inside out, um, in honor of this podcast, you can get uh, 18% off a subscription. Yeah. Okay, you hear that? So if you use the code inside out, you get 18% off of your Flashig subscription. It makes a great gift because it comes once a month.
Do you, um, Schiffer, do you have a favorite quote or words that you live by? Very famous, I'm all known, but it's a good one. It's chocolate that's dying I think in the end, like things work out, not always the way you expected them. You know, you have a fantasy of what something will look like. And when people say chocolate that's dying, but it might not be that original good or happy ending that you thought. But there's always like something good that comes out of everything. Um, sometimes it takes patience. Sometimes it takes recognizing, oh, that was a good thing. Um, but yeah, that's a big one for me. This was such a great conversation. There's so many lessons that I took away, not least of which is trust the process. You know, you can start even if you don't feel ready. You know, you don't know unless you try. And know the risks, seek mentorship. I mean, the list goes on. This is something that can benefit someone, whether they're working with their spouse or alone, starting a business or in a relationship. Thank you so much.